What's going on, team? Clock's on the stove, back in action, ready for some MMA talk. UFC 282 is coming. Unfortunately, there's a very good Bellator card tonight for the uh, semifinals of their bantamweight tournament, but we are not going to be able to get that out in time. So, sorry, sucks, don't care. Feel bad, don't care. Watch the fight. Um, with us today, first time ever, a uh, Division II wrestler in Mr. Matthew Daner. What's up, guys? Good to be here. Yeah, so uh, diving into this car, let's just get the ball rolling. We're starting us off with the prelims, an early prelim that I think everyone and their mother should watch. It's a featherweight bout between Billy Quarantillo and Alexander Hernandez. Billy Quarantillo, Billy Q. Um, obviously, everyone knows who he is. Tampa native, fights out of Grace, Tampa South. Dude's a dog. His last fight, he went to war with Shane Burgos in Madison Square Garden. Um, Alexander Hernandez Easily one of the top five most hated fighters amongst everyone um, because he just talks so much shit and doesn't back it up. And let's be honest, Hernandez's entire career is entirely based on just catching fucking Benio Dariush. If he didn't catch him there, I don't think he'd still be in the UFC. I haven't seen this kid win in a long time. Um, Yeah, it's his featherweight debut. I don't really have much to say on this fight. I think... Um, Personally, I think Billy Q is going to go in there and his his veteranism and his pace and stuff is going to wear out on Hernandez. The only thing is that um, would go for Hernandez is he is bigger. So if it gets into a slugfest like the Billy Q sugar, uh, excuse me, I keep wanting to say sugar, Sean. Shane Burgos fight goes, it could maybe not go too well for Billy, but Billy's a dog and I'm going to go Billy 100% in this fight. Um, I don't know the odds, but give me, give me Bill, Billy Corn, Cor, give me Billy Q. Zach Watts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I pretty much threw this in here just because it's one of the early prelims. If you're tuning in early and you need a reason to watch, why not tune into your Tampa natives? You know, we're from Tampa. We're always going to shout out our boys. Um, Billy was quoted after the weigh-in saying, um, you know, this is Hernandez's featherweight debut and he's going to introduce him in the least nice way as possible. You know, Billy thinks of himself as a very high paced fighter. You know, he's got some of the best pace of anyone in that division, um, according to him. And I don't doubt, him. you know, he's, very high output fighter. He's going to give you everything he has for all three rounds. So I'm favoring him in this fight. I think if you're going to throw money, I would put it on Billy Q uh, in least bias as possible. Uh, both these fighters did make weight. Uh, Billy Q coming in a little bit heavier at 146 compared to Hernandez's uh, 145 and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of building off what you said, Hernandez isn't really that liked, so it's kind of hard to root for the guy. Um, just doesn't know when to shut the hell up. I guess we're going to have to come out with our top five uh, most hated fighters because – Honestly, he would be up there with uh, – I'd say him and Sean Strickland would be my like, – Yeah, facts. Big time. Yeah, Big for time. sure. But, yeah, but, I mean, just give me Billy Q. Don't know the odds yet. We'll try to get those out for you uh, or include them on our graphics. But another – yeah, real quick before Dana goes in, another quick factor to, to remember as well is uh, Billy Quarantillo is a dog in jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, black belt, a great Tampa. Like, so Hernandez needs this to be a boxing match. Billy Q's boxing's not ugly. I'm not. I'm not knocking his boxing. I'm just saying on the feet they're way more even than on the ground. I think Billy's levels above Alex Hernandez on the ground. Uh, so the only thing I'm gonna say, I do like Billy Q. Uh, here's the thing though: you do see guys drop weight classes, and they like they get better, right? There's something like some of them can keep that power. Uh, I think you saw Pettis do it when he dropped to 45. You saw Aldo do it when he dropped to 35. Sometimes you can drop weight, still keep that power, and. You know, if he has just the takedown defense to keep it on the feet, it could be interesting. Uh, you know, Billy's willing to fucking bang. You saw that in the Burgos fight. You're like, he's not afraid to get hit. 
but he is, you know, I think his strength is on the ground. And if it goes down there, I'm, I'm taking Billy too. And one more thing I want to add, I'm sorry. I keep, it's just as we keep going and keep getting remembered, I'm a big believer. And I feel like Daniel can back me on this as well. When a guy in your camp or on your team is, is, is being successful, it gives you confidence knowing that the hard work you're putting in works. And Matt Favola just came off of an ass beating on the last pay-per-view um, on the prelims. I can't remember who he beat, but he finished someone in the first round. He's training partners with Billy Q. So I know at least for me, and I feel like Daniel can vouch too, is when your training partner or like someone in your camp is do, is succeeding and, and doing very well when you're training with them, it, may, it gives you another boost knowing that what you're doing is working. Yeah, yeah. it is. Every time something works in the room and you realize it works on a guy at that level, gives you more confidence when you're going out there that it's going to work there too. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you, Grayson. And building off that, let's get right into our next fight, which is going to lead us into our prelims. And that's Chris Curtis going up against Joaquin Buckley. If you remember, uh, Chris Curtis was actually the cornerman for his buddy that just got the calf slicer win over Jack Hermanson when we were at that fight card. So he got over his loss by helping his teammate get that dub. So that's huge for him. You know, we talk I did about not him. know that. That's badass. Yeah, talk about elite-level journalism right there. Um, but, yeah, Curtis and Buckley, you know, both these guys have some PFL experience. You know, they're both renaissance men when it comes to the fight game. They've been through it all. Um Curtis coming in at a 29 and nine record, Buckley 15 and five, both weighed in uh, 186, 185. This is a catch weight bout for these guys, I believe. No, middleweight, um, middleweight. It is middleweight? Okay. Middleweight, middleweight. Um, okay. Yeah. Curtis is coming off a decision win uh, versus Vieira, whereas Buckley's coming off a unanimous decision loss versus Imabov. Um, obviously not a favorable matchup for Buckley. I don't, I don't really think he's too reliant on his wrestling, and that's going to be a problem for him in my eyes when he goes up against Curtis. I think Curtis likes to keep it on the feet. But like we've seen in fights before, if he realizes he can handle you on the feet, he's going to try to surprise you by taking you down to the ground and kind of expose every aspect of your game in that regard. Um, you know, I kind of look at Buckley as kind of a straightforward fighter. You know, he's always charging in, throwing a lot of hooks. He likes to work the body a lot, similarly to Curtis. I think this is a great matchup on paper. Um, I can say for certain, though, that this fight is not going the distance. One of these guys will get put to sleep. I just hope that it's Joaquin Buckley. I'm a big Curtis guy going into this. He is the underdog in this fight. I am riding with him. I think he's the man to take. Um, and I think he's just more experienced. Been in the game longer. I think he's 35 years old. Buckley's only 28. Uh, I think it's Bu Bu it's Buckley's time to get taught a lesson uh, once in a while. So a little fun fact of the day for you guys for MMA-wise. Chris Curtis was, like Zach said, a PFL fighter. And I want to say two years ago, either – yeah, I want to say it was two years ago, he, was, he made the postseason of the PFL, but he was at welterweight at the time, okay? Loses round one. To the American top team guy, I don't remember his name, some Russian dude who's like ran the division, loses to him in round one. And by the way, so for y'all that don't understand, the way the PFL playoff format is, round one and round two are fought on the same night. They're two two fights of two rounds. Okay, he lost. Curtis lost the first round. Then he retires. He's in the back. He retires from MMA. He's like, I'm done fighting. I thank you guys for everything. I had a great time. Blah blah. blah. And then post posts a picture of him in the back of his gloves. The guy that beats him has a medical emergency in between fight one and two and withdraws from the tournament. So they go to Curtis and they go, you're still in it. So he puts his gloves back on. This man just retired, gets back into fighting. He's like, damn, I'm excited. I can make a statement. And then Ray Cooper sleeps him, sleeps him. So he goes from retiring. He goes, oh man, I hate my life. He goes, I lose. I retire. Oh, I have a shot. And then gets slept. Then I don't know what happened in between. And then he got into the UFC, and he's been – his only loss is Hermanson in the UFC. He's looked great. Joaquin Buckley, I'm not a fan of. I don't dislike him, 
I don't hate him like I do with Alexander Hernandez. I'm just not a fan because, let's be honest, the only reason we know who he is is because of that spinning knockout, that knockout of the year last year. I would have absolutely no idea who Joaquin Buckley is if it wasn't for that fight, okay? The guy is good, yes, but he talks a lot of shit to keep his name relevant, and then the guys that accept the fights that he talks shit to beat him. So it is a good matchup because they're both jacked and very, and they have the knockout power in their hands. I do agree with Zach, though. One, it's going to be a finish. There's no way this fight gets a decision. And two, I think Curtis's experience of Buckley's just like rowdy and like can knock you. I think I think Curtis is going to calm it down and fight the pace that he wants to fight. And I think his veteranism is going to get him the win. I uh, I'm taking Buckley. I think he's going to get a little bit wild, right? He just came off. He just come off a decision loss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try to bounce back, and he's going. It's going to be some flurries and I think it's going to probably finish in like halfway through the second round, but I'm going to take Buckley. He's wild. He does some, you know, some crazy stuff and you know, he's not afraid to get dangerous. It's going to be, and when Zach called me about it, I got to admit, this is probably one of the best like leveled matchups on this whole card. Like it's a yeah. great matchup of a fight. Yeah. I don't really understand uh, that big of a disparity uh, and Curtis being an underdog in this one either. That's why I'm willing to bet on him. It's just because like, it's not much to lose. Like these guys are so even. Like I could see Curtis pulling it out. I just think they're going with Buckley because he's the younger fighter. He's got the heavier hands. You know, he's he's gonna be more of a peekaboo boxer in this. But Curtis is a great counter striker. We know this. So uh, I, I'm just expecting Curtis to kind of feel Buckley out a little bit, kind of catch him one or two times, and kind of put the fight away from there. I could see Speaking it about- real quick before we go to the next. I'm sorry. I could see it as in Buckley comes out round one super hot and just throwing everything. And then when round two comes, he he's like hesitant on everything because Curtis shuts it all down. Curtis like yeah. figures out the pace, figures out the rhythm, and he just keeps the ones and twos. And that just if I look, kind of like a Peter Yawn style, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the wrestling could be big for him too. Yes. Moving yeah, into well, our next. Go for it, Danner. I was gonna say Buckley has terrible wrestling cardio, doesn't he? Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, like gas is so fast. But Curtis is thirty five, so he can't just make it a pure wrestling match. He's got to make it an MMA match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Our next fight on the card, uh, this is another prelim fight featuring uh, Yarzinho Rosenstrike versus Chris Dalkus. Now, here's what's interesting. Rosenstrike weighed in at 261 and a half pounds. Dalkus weighed in at 242. There's like a 20-pound weight difference heading into this fight. That's insane, um, even for a heavyweight bout. Um, now, look, both fighters are coming off a loss. You know, Dalkus lost via TKO to Curtis Blades and Rosenstrike, uh, TKO loss versus Volkov. Um Look, I'm going to be honest. I think Rosenstrike is just the more complete fighter in this. You know, when you tend to think of heavyweights, you tend to think who has the better, better chance to knock someone out because, like, most of these guys don't wrestle at this weight. Um, and looking at Rosenstrike, you know, he's a pretty complete kickboxer. You know, he's been caught a couple times against some really good fighters. I think that's where his losses come from. Um, as for Dalkus, you know, I just think his last loss, last loss looks a little bit worse on his record. Um, and I think Rosenstrike's just looking to bounce back. You know, he's a more experienced guy. He's been in this game a lot longer. I mean... Like I said, kind of compared to the last fight, I, I don't think this is going to go the distance either. I'm probably going to take Rose to strike uh, with a KO, TKO finish in this as well. I'm, I'm going the opposite. I'm going to take Dawkins just because Rosenstrike came in with this, like, huge, like, uh, what's the word? Like, like not following, but, like, hype train. You know, he was, like, 11-0 or 10-0, and then he went on, like, a 1-5 or 1-4 skid. Um, he got knocked out by Naganu, and then his only win since then was Junior DeSantos, who is retired. Um and the thing I like about Dawkins, I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen in this fight. I think this is going to be a who lands a clean strike first. That's why I think wins this fight. 
Um, but I'm going with Dawkins because Dawkins is a fucking full-time police officer while being a UFC fighter. And I oh, if you're a fucking serviceman while you fight in MMA, you will always have my vote. I will always support you. I want Dawkins to win this fight. A hundred thousand percent agree with Zach, though. Somebody's going to fucking sleep. These guys don't fight. I mean, honestly, I feel like the heavyweight division right now is one of the most electric and fun it's been in a while because everyone just sleeps everyone. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Dawkins. Um, but I do think it's gonna be it's gonna be similar to the Tui Bossa fight that happened. It's gonna be whoever lands clean first, in my opinion. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes under two minutes. I mean, both guys have been slept before and both guys have ridiculous power. The thing I'm gonna go with Zach too, because when Rosenstrike loses, right, he's losing to like some of those top guys. And I feel like those ones he's dropping, he's dropping a better competition. I do think it's gonna be a coin flip on who who actually does land first and who lands first clean, but my money's on Rosenstrike. Yeah, I completely agree. Um another thing I'd kind of add in here is when you have these guys that are no longer fighting for belts, you know, they're going for their performance finishes. Like these are what put um, these are what put money in their bank accounts at the end of the day. You know, we refer to Michael Chandler as this guy a lot, Justin Gaethje, you know, these guys, you know, they won a belt, but realistically they're not fighting as if they're belt chasing, you know, they're not trying to feel guys out and try to get decision wins. They're trying to put someone to sleep. And if they get knocked down in the process, who gives a shit? They're willing to take that uh, purse at the end of the night. And I respect them for it. You know, you're I'm fighting, not you're fighting for legacy at this point, not for a title. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what separates the UFC and boxing. You know, it fuck that point shit. Like no one cares how you do your fight, fight for the knockouts. At the end of the day, people are going to respect you a lot more. They're going to, when you, when people think back on your career, they're not, they're not going to be like, Oh, I remember that split decision victory. No, you're going to remember like the Joaquin Buckley. The only thing you remember about him is he got that spinning, spinning KO like that. That's all that matters. Like, or you can walk up to a casual on the street. They're not even going to know that Robbie Lawler was a world champion, but they're going to remember the Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald fight. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Robbie Lawler was on this card. He did get removed. We'll get to that fight a little later. Right. But moving on into our next fight, we have Raul Rosas Jr., the M or the UFC's kind of wonder child uh, at the moment at 6-0 versus Jay Perrine, who's 10-6. and six. Uh, This is a bantamweight bout. Both fighters weighed in at 136 pounds. Rosas Jr., he's still in high school. As we all know, he makes ideas kind of sound like Shakespeare with the way he speaks, but I can't knock him for it. Um my only question is... Yeah, I mean, he would beat your ass, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would murder me, so there's not much I can say. Um, but I will say this. Is he too young for the big stage? You know, he says all these things about how he has hopes to become the youngest champion. Well, buddy, you got two years to accomplish that, and your champion of your division is Aljamain Sterling. And let's not forget that there's Marab in that division. You're in the hardest not... division in the UFC. Yes, let's yeah. So um if you want to try to beat John Jones's record, uh you're gonna have to be better than John Jones essentially. So you gotta um, find a way to make flyweight, my brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's put it that way, because uh I'm not seeing it. But once again, you know, I don't have much to say about his opponent. I think Dana's gonna throw this guy cupcakes um until his resume is built and he's old enough to kind of fight for titles. So that's kind of how I see it. I'm gonna roll with uh, Rosas Jr. Not because I'm like too impressed by anything he does. He has had some impressive groundwork which i've seen in his fights prior but again it's one thing to show me that you can do these things on the ground because you train them it's another thing to show me that you can do this against quality opponents i just don't think your opponents are at that caliber where i can start really comparing you to a top 15 ranking because i was looking through the bantamweight rankings today and i don't think he beats anyone in the top 10 right now and you know that's a lot of pressure to put on an 18 year old but at the same time if you're carrying around the weight of i'm going to be a champion you know you can't be saying these things so um, that's kind of how I see it. I'm rolling with Rosas. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. So I was talking to Dana about this, and I'm going to go back to what you a conversation you and I had, Zach, where I asked you when Brown signed that girl to play baseball. I was like, 
is this girl good enough to be here? And you said, yes, she is good enough to be here. But there's 500 guys that are better than her that should be there. And they only got Herb for the name and for the hype. That's how I feel about Raul. Do I think Raul is, is good enough to be in the UFC? Personally, no. But I think the way, like you said, the way they're going to do it for him, it's going to make it look like he should be. Do I think Raul is a bad fighter? Absolutely fucking not, dude. I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I just think he's too young. And I don't think he's UFC ready. I think it's the, the image of having him there is why they have him there. I think there's hundreds of guys better than him. I think, shout out to my teammate, Tyler DeHaven. I think he runs through Raul. I think he kills him. He's a two and two professional, you know, and I think he dogs Raul. That's just my, that's just my opinion. The one thing I will give credit to Raul is I love the Jimmy trains out of syndicate. I absolutely love it. I trained there when I went for the NFL draft in March, I met uh, Jerry Shapiro, who's the jujitsu coach. I still keep in contact with him. Absolute great human being. Jordan Leavitt, who just fought Patty Pimblett. He fights out of there. You see guys like Cowboy Cerrone and, um, and Sean Rodriguez. They, they're, known to, they're known to go in there and train too. It's a very good hotbed out of Las Vegas. So he's going to be prepared to the highest extent. You never have to worry about his preparation. I do agree too. They're giving him a guy that's 10-6. Like what, what's the point of this? They're just giving him fights that they know he can win. They want to build his brand, and and I don't blame them for that. I understand what they're trying to do. It's just so cringe to watch this kid. Like, this kid probably was in history class and then drove over to the freaking uh, arena. You know what I mean? Like, he's literally in school. Like, think about that. He is going to school and taking exams and has homework and shit. He's a senior in high school. And no discredit to him. I just think the UFC is doing one of their publicity stunts with him. At the end of the day, though, regardless of my opinion on him, um, I think he wins this fight. I have no idea how. His jiu-jitsu is elite. There's no arguing about his jiu-jitsu. His jiu-jitsu is top-level, world-class. But I think it's going to be a boring fight. I, I, think, I think it's going to be really boring. And I think he's going to win, though. Um, but who, maybe the stage is too big for him, dude. Who knows? There's yeah. a big difference in fighting in the Contender Series and fighting in front of 20,000 people in your, yeah. in your hometown. I mean, he might come out hype. You know, he does have the hometown advantage. And you were talking about, like, the guy's 10-6, and six, but the guy's fighting the UFC. He's 0-2. So he's yet to win a fight in this organization. I mean, they're they're clearly feeding him just – they're throwing him a bone. And if they're smart, they're going to do that for two years. I mean, the dude is 18. Like, how fucking crazy is that? Like, freshly 18, too. He was 17 in the Contender Series. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Like, yeah, his parents had to sign a permission slip so he could go beat the shit out of grown men. Yeah. <laughs> so – pretty cool like they should feed him just nobodies for two years build him up because you know if he's at a gym like that and he's gonna make those jumps in two years it's exciting to see where he's gonna be but i mean up until then like just give him cardboard boxes to bust through it's kind of like he's in a survival state where it's like look you don't need to do anything crazy these next two years you just need to knock at your ass beat and stay relevant that's how i feel yes yes yeah yeah, it's kind of hard to be a journeyman when uh, your journey starts when you're still not even old enough to drink beer. So yeah. let's let's pray let's pray for his health at this point. But that wraps up our prelim fights. Let's move into the main card, or as Bruce Bruce Buffer says, this is what you've all been waiting for. Let's get right to it. Our main card, our lead fight: Bryce Mitchell at 15 and one, weighing in at 146 pounds, taking on Ilya Tapuria, who's 12 and 0, weighing in at 146 pounds as well. This is a featherweight belt. Uh, Bryce is on a six-fight win streak. Tapuria is on a four-fight win streak. Mitchell's last win was a unanimous uh, decision over Edison Barboza. And Tapuria's last win was a KO-TKO versus uh, Herbert. 
I'm not too familiar with Herbert, so I can't really speak on Tapuria's last outing. Look. It's Jaleel Herbert, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, here's what I'm going to say. I think Bryce Mitchell is a dog. Um, he scares the shit out of me. He will get his camo shorts, or if he has, I hope he wears them soon enough. Um, the dude is just a legend uh, already in the UFC. What kills me is the dude has some of the most legendary lines in the press conferences, but because he's so fucking redneck from Arkansas, it just comes off as so stupid. Because, like, dude, he was literally like, he's like, yeah, well, Taporia says I'm a coward. Well, does a coward show up prepared to die? And I'm like, all right, if anyone else would have said that, like if a Russian said that, I'd be like, holy shit. But you said that, and I'm like, all right, you probably thought of that while you were, like, hog-tying people. Like, dude, I, I don't really know what to think. I don't know what to think about this. But at the end of the day, you know, Bryce Mitchell, one of the most elite jujitsu guys um, right now in MMA, like pretty much at all levels. We've seen him get people in uh, twisters. It's insane what he's able to do to uh, professional fighters. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to walk away with another win after this one kind of ends. Elias, I think, four-fight win streak in the UFC. It's kind of it, – Dana may have pushed the envelope too much with this kid, especially feeding him Bryce. But I think this is the fight that kind of puts Bryce as a significant point on the map in that division. I think it's his time to kind of make strides and start going for the belt, honestly. Like, you're, I think you're that good, man. Come on. Um, is he ranked right now? He's ranked, right? Like 13? Um, yeah, hey, he's got to be. There's no yeah, you way. You check that out real quick. Um, So my thing is, first of all, this is a really, really difficult fight to break down, dude, because these guys are both fucking killers. I mean – Let's start off with Bryce Mitchell. Dude's a savage. Yeah, he got a unanimous decision win over Edson Barbosa, but he beat the fucking brakes off of Edson. He dominated the whole fight. He outstruck him. And that's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, well, he's got to take him down. He literally dropped him with his hands in the first round. He dogged him. And how do you not love the guy? He's a fucking UFC fighter at 15-1, and one, and he still lives in a trailer in Arkansas. Okay. Talk about fucking loving what you do. This man is a fucking dog. Beats Edson Barbosa, goes out there and he goes, I'm donating half of my purse to, to the homeless and, and children. So he's nine? Nine, yeah. Damn. And then he's like, I'm donating half my purse to the Children's Foundation in Arkansas. Like, he's a wholesome ass dude. He's a flat earther, though. Little weird. <laughs> Called out Joe Rogan. But he's a fucking <laughs> southern badass. Taporia, don't like him. Not a fan at all. Hate him. I don't know what ethnicity is. I know he's, he's not American. He's something. I don't know. But not a fan. Um, he kind of got his – he's good as fuck. Listen, I'm not, I'm not discrediting his skill. He's extremely good. You're not 12-0 with 4-0 in the UFC, like, without being He's Georgian. Georgian, yeah. So, the thing is, though, this man's name came out of him trying to fight Patty at the, at the hotel. Do you guys remember that? So oh. it was Patty's last fight when he fought Jordan Peblet, Jordan Levitt, excuse me. Um, Patty was like walking in the hotel and he like shoved Patty and like they started like throwing shit at each other and like very childish. And even at the fucking press conference, he's like shit talking Patty and he's not even fighting Patty. Yeah. So he's trying to charge my, him. Yeah. He's trying to charge him. My my thing is Taporia is doing what he can to get his name big quick, which I don't discredit him for. But I think he might be overlooking Bryce. And Bryce is not overlooking him. I mean, he went in there and started talking shit. And Bryce goes, although I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. You know, that's hard as fuck. That's some fucking Christ walking with the staff, you know, into hell shit. 
tough. The other thing is, we talk about like there's not an Americanized fighter. I would say outside of Colby Covington, Bryce Mitchell is probably the most Americanized fighter in, in MMA. He's going to come out in cowboy boots and a fucking USA flag and camo shorts in Las Vegas, Nevada, and they're going to lose their fucking mm-hmm. minds. That building is going to be around Bryce. Tuporia, in my opinion, has got to finish him. I think it's – I think it's – I'm a little nervous because he is – as much as I don't fuck with this guy, he's good. There's a reason he's 12-0. There's a reason he's 4-0 in the UFC. There's a reason he's getting hype and he's getting this big fight. But I see this fight with – I I feel like he's got to finish him because the longer it goes on, the better Mitchell gets, and I don't see this kid hanging with him for three rounds. So give me yes. Bryce Mitchell unanimous decision. That's a that's a great call. I mean, you definitely you know, like you're saying, Deporia is trying to already talk shit to Patty. You can't overlook the redneck Rocky. You can't. Like he is so straightforward. Like, dude, he's like a shark. He just locks in on something. But Deporia is so dangerous in those first two rounds. Like he's got no problem just hitting the gas and throwing everything he has for ten minutes. So yeah, if Bryce can you know flow way through, you know, get about halfway through that second round and start you know building up, making his reads. I definitely think a UD is possible, but man, I think, I don't think DePoor is overlooking Bryce really by already talking shit to Patty. I think his plan is to go balls to the walls as hard as he can try to finish Bryce in the first and then build that hype train and just kind of skyrocket him and keep it going. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So you, who do you got winning? You got Teporia? I'm going to go Teporia. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go. Yeah. Why not? It's going to be a, it's a great, by the way, shout out to UFC. They do a lot of stupid shit, but making this the opening fight of the pay-per-view is genius because somebody's yes. going to die. Yeah. I, you know, we kind of had this talk earlier about like, oh, you know, there are some cards where just because there's a title shot online, like, does it deserve, like, uh, does it deserve pay-per-view? Yeah, you're, you were right. Uh, going over this card uh, this time around, I definitely think this is worthy of pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think the fight pass, though, that we went to should have been a pay-per-view as well. But, I mean, regardless, it felt like a pay-per-view environment, and we got a pay-per-view worth of show. That was so. easily the best fight night of the year, without a doubt. Without yeah, a doubt. no, I, I enjoyed that uh, through and through. But, you know, we're not here for that. We're here for this 282 card, so let's keep it moving. Our second fight on the main card is Darren Till making his return since September of 2021, taking on Duplessis, now Duplessis 17-2. and two. Uh, Darren Till, 18 and four. Darren's been dealing with a whole lot of injuries. This is a light heavyweight bout, by the way. Um, you know, Darren's been dealing with his injuries. Duplessis is riding a three fight win streak. His last win coming, uh, via unanimous decision versus Tavares. Whereas Darren Till has kind of been a do or die spot right now. If he loses this fight, um, he, his contract may not get renewed, man. Like it is not good at all. You know, we kind of talked about it before the pod or maybe even during the pod. He's been, um, kind of just riding on the nuts of Chemayev, you know, just kind of sucking him off, just praying to God that he stays relevant. And, you know, we've seen that out of a lot of fighters, not necessarily riding other fighters, but just doing whatever they can just to keep their name relevant. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, possible. Um, Now, can't discredit him for that, but, dude, you got to start backing it up in the ring. Like, this is your first fight back. Um, You know, I saw his weigh-in photos. I wasn't too sold. He didn't look in great shape, but, I mean, the fact that he made weight, like, that's – that's the least of your worries. Thank God you got that out of the way. Now it's time to put on a show for the fans and show that you had hype behind you for a reason. Now, look, I get it. You can say you were training your ass off. and That's why you had your injuries up. Part of being an MMA fighter is taking care of your body. If you can't get through a training camp without sustaining an injury, who the fuck is going to sign you? 
Like, who's going to want to keep you knowing you can't back up Especially your Especially when you're young, too, because he's getting hurt at, like, yes. 26 and 27. Yes. Like, that just – what that lets me know is that later in your career, you're not even going to be able to do a training camp without being like, oh, I'm questionable because I got an ankle injury or some bullshit. Um, but, you know, I used to be a huge fan of him. Now I got to – I'm in that prove-it-to-me mode. Like, he's just not sold on me yet. If I was the UFC, I wouldn't even be close to putting my pen to paper with this guy until he shows that Duplessis um, – puts on a show against Duplessis, I mean, um, and as for his opponent, Duplessis, I think this guy's going to end up walking out with a win. I just think he's been doing this for a while now. He's riding tremendous momentum off his four or three-fight win streak, about to make it four-fight win streak. And, you know, until his last fight, it was a sub to Derek Brunson. And plus, this is better. So, in my opinion. But we'll have to see how this goes. That's how I'm feeling about it. Let me know what you guys think. I think – so, I'm with Zach. I was a really big um... – I was a really big Darren Till fan for the longest time. And then it got to the point where it was like, he backed out of this fight. Lost and then blamed wrestling. Backed out of this fight. It's like, I'm in the prove it to me stage. You know, you're talking a lot. Prove it to me. Duplessis has heavy ass hands, bro. Heavy hands. He's sleeping everyone. I am going to... It kills me to say this, but I'm going to take Duplessis by finish. I don't see Darren Till... Darren is extremely talented. I'm not saying his skill is not there, but it's like, it depends. Like Daniel said before we did the pod, it depends which Darren shows up. The Darren that showed up versus Rob Whitaker was one of the best Darren Tills I've ever seen in my life. They went back and forth for five rounds. But then you get the Darren Till that showed up as Derek Brunson. You know, he's 6-4-1 in the UFC. And it's just like, I don't know, you can never really keep like a, a flow going. I would love to watch Darren win this fight. I want Darren to win this fight. I just don't think he's going to beat Duplessis, who's young and coming on a hot streak. I think it's, I think this might be Darren's foot out the door fight, personally. And it sucks. And I used to love Darren. I just don't see him. I don't see him yeah. doing it. I mean, yeah, you talk about a guy with an unbelievably high ceiling, right? That's Darren Till. Like his potential to just do amazing things is there. But you got to just question like his mentality, right? I, I mean, it does seem like he has one foot out the door and, I mean, MMA is not a job you can just punch the clock in, right? You know, he's gotten submitted before, and this guy has a ton of power, and he is scary. He's young. He's hungry. I think it's just going to be a battle of wills, and, you know, I'd love, absolutely love to see Till just, you know, make this go the distance, just technically outbox him. Like, I think technically he's the better boxer. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, this guy's got way more power. He's going to come out way more aggressive. I think Till's going to be on the back foot. I, I don't see it going well for him, and, yeah, I think he's going to get finished. I think going on top of that too, Daner, I feel like Till's going to go in very hesitant knowing I can't get knocked out, and this guy does not fear Till. He's I like, think Till he's, doesn't have anything to knock me out with, so he's going to be coming at him. Yeah, I think he's going to try to slow it down, and I don't I don't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to look at the Wayans and see how he looked. How's Till, like, just from, like, the looks of it, does it look like he has great cardio right now? Like, he could yeah, make it go? Yeah, you know? cardio's never been an issue of, 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 of his in fighting. Yeah. It's it's his chin yeah. that's been the issue. Yeah, and unfortunately, you can't really train a chin in fighting. You just kind of have to like deal with what you're given. Yeah, um, you got, yeah, I know that's the shittiest part about the fucking sport. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate. And what's also unfortunate is you know Europeans, especially um, you know people from Britain, they love their British fighters. You know, Darren being from Liverpool, you know he had one of the most legendary walkouts to Sweet Caroline. In recent memory, like that shit was so hard. I think that's the um, best walkout ever when he fought in yeah. Liverpool and he walked out to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, like, like, 
dude, the Europeans love their fighters. So I'll, I'll commend them for that. But, you know, Darren, if you want to keep your approval rating uh, in your home country alive, you're going to need to win this fight. What's and- two plus? Is he South African? He is. I'm about to find it right now. Let me try to pull it up real quick. I don't remember. I have the card pulled up. Um, yeah, he's South African. Yeah. Damn, I'm so fucking yeah. smart. Yeah. Okay. Um, but let's keep it moving. Let's get into our next fight, which is. By the way, by the way, what oh. they should have done before you even announced this fight, this fight that you're about to say should have been moved to the prelims, and they should have brought up um, the Curtis Buckley fight. Yes. That's why I think they yes. should have done. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, unfortunately, I think this is one of those situations where um, Dana kind of put his pen to paper before the card, and there was already guaranteed money involved, and you can't move around fighters in that case, which kind of like ends up screwing the pooch. Um, and you get stuck with situations like this, where you were supposed to have a Robbie Lawler fight, who was supposed to head up against Santiago um, Ponzinibbio, but unfortunately, Lawler had to back out. Alex Morano steps up. Now, Santiago came out and said, yeah, Santiago came out and said, he was like, I'm actually glad that uh, Morano stepped up because I feel like this is a step up in competition. Now, I don't know how y'all feel about that. I do not agree at all. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. A former UFC world champion versus a guy that his whole career is known for beating Cowboy. Yeah. Wanted to get your all's opinion on that. But anyway, let's get back to the fight at hand. Um, Look, this is a welterweight bout. No, it's Toronto. catch weight. It's catch weight. Oh, yeah, catch weights. I think it's a 180. Um, yes. Yeah, so Santiago weighed in at 179 and a half, and Morano weighed in at 179 and a half as well. Morano's um, riding a four fight win streak. Um, and his last win came against a guy named Smellsberger, or however the fuck you pronounce that. I'm not even going to try. And um, as for Santiago, he's coming off a split decision loss versus Pereira. This was supposed to be a matchup between Lawler coming off a loss to uh, Barbarena. Santiago coming off a loss. It was supposed to be a good matchup. You know, this was supposed to help Lawler maybe either keep his career on track or boost the hype train of Santiago. Whichever way it went, the fans would be happy. The fans don't really get anything out of this fight. You know, no one, I wouldn't say anyone's a big supporter of either of these fighters. Um, mm-hmm. For Moreno, I don't know, or for Morano, I don't know why you're stepping in to take this fight. Um, I just don't think it helps you. I guess the money, sure. But like, if you really wanted to like push your career in a certain direction, this doesn't, this doesn't move you. Like, this, this doesn't do anything for you. This literally just tells Dana, like, oh, I can just plug you in to whatever fight card I want when I need to fill out a roster. Like, that. that's all it tells me. Um, but I could be wrong. You know, maybe you get an insane performance of the night and you put your name on the map. Prove me wrong, by all means. Um, but regardless, I wish we would have seen Lawler fight. He's been a legend in this sport. He's done it all. You know, when you think of him, you think of that uh, Rory McDonald fight that was a the definition of a war. And by the way, Roy McDonald's quote of that fight is the hardest thing I've ever heard where he goes, so you want to be a UFC fighter? And it's just his fucking face after that fight where his literal entire bone structure is just rearranged. His nose um, broke off of his skull. It was yes. no longer attached to his skull. Yes. So tell me you want to be a fucking UFC fighter and then go watch that fight and then give me your answer. But regardless... I don't really have much of a say in this fight. I'm not betting on anyone. Not too familiar with either of these guys. I think it's a waste of time putting it on the main card. But hey, you need that fight on the main card to go take a piss, to go get beverages, to go to the concessions. This is probably going to be that fight. I would say, I'm not even going to say it. We'll keep it. 
Yeah, man. I mean, Santiago versus Robbie Lawler was a great fucking matchup. Two guys like the brawl stand in the pocket and just exchange bombs. I could give a shit about this fight. I don't care about Murano. I don't even really care about Santiago. I cared more about watching him fight Lawler. Santiago's going to dog him. He has a full camp. He's prepared. Murano's going in there just hoping for a puncher's chance. The longer the fight goes, the more it's going to fuck Murano as he hasn't had a full camp. I could give a shit about this fight. Yeah. I'll be honest. I just found out this fight was on the card. Uh, didn't even know. So, yeah. I'd probably go Santiago. I mean, only thing you can say, great things can happen on short-notice fights. You know, look at Bisbing, right? He won his title on a short-notice fight. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to go out there and swing. So, there could be some fireworks. Like, you like, you know, he might be riding the train of its first-round knockout or it's nothing. So, so, might be a surprise highlight there, which could be, you know, exciting. But besides that, there's not a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I won't tell anyone to put their money on it just because you really don't know in these situations. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't it's give a any bets for this fight. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on from that, though, we go into uh, one of our more exciting fights, which is Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. This is a featherweight bout. As you all know, Patty Pimblett is Dana's lightweight, Susan McGregor. Lightweight. lightweight. It is lightweight? Lightweight. Patty's a lightweight. Where am, Where am I getting my numbers at? Yeah, it is lightweight bout. Interesting. Uh, for some reason on UFC's app, they have these listed all under the wrong uh, it's weight It's probably class. because Taporia's on featherweight, and he's been the one shit-talking Patty. So like, he might have gotten confused. Ah, agreed. Anyway, we all know that uh, – Patty's kind of been the golden boy for the MMA as of recently, ever since McGregor kind of like took his time off, you know, pissing through cups as uh, Joe Rogan would say. But, um, you know, I, again, I don't think Patty's really getting challenged at all, which means I'm not really a huge fan of him. You know, I'll admit I'm all for, you know, his hype and for what he does for the sport, just keeping it entertaining. You know, he's a fun guy to listen to when they do the embeddeds, wherever they follow him around with the camera, you know, by all means. And, He's funny. He's funny and relatable. You know, when he talks about his weight cuts, how he's like, you know, after fights, I just like to fat the fuck up. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, like the real challenge for him is just making weight. He goes, he loves to fight. And I think that's true for a lot of guys. And obviously, as we've seen in the past, most guys can't even make weight despite, you know, you're paid to do it. Um, but regardless, I don't think Gordon's much of anything. No disrespect to Gordon. I just think Dana's not going to throw Patty anyone unless it's a title shot where he could obviously lose. But then again, we did see Patty's partner in, partner in crime, Molly Meatball, get absolutely torched in her last fight. So you never know. Dana could be tired of it. Regardless, I'm not saying he's going to lose. Put your money on Patty. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, Patty's riding a three-fight win trick as well. His last win coming against Jim Levitt. Oh, you don't know who that Jordan, is? Jordan Levitt. Jordan. Sorry. Do I even Does he even deserve to have his name pronounced right? Who gives a shit? Dude probably isn't relevant either. As for Gordon, he's coming off a UD win versus uh, Santos. So... So I'm going to go the exact opposite route of Zach. Jordan Levitt is a fucking dog at jiu-jitsu, and Patty submitted him. So that is – I was on the fuck Patty train until I saw that because at Syndicate, where Raul trains, I grappled Levitt. I did an open grappling match with him, and he tapped me probably 10 times in a five-minute go. Dogged me. And then when he fought Patty, he dogged him in the first round and then got submitted in the second. My issue with this fight is – Patty's stand-up is garbage. It's terrible. It's terrible. Jordan, J Jared Gordon fights out of Kill Cliff, which used to be Sanford, which is where Michael Chandler, Usman, Gilbert Burns, Anthony Johnson, Vitor Belfort, Brandon Vera. Like, it's like it's like America Top Team in Deerfield Beach. Like, it's the fucking bee's knees, Alon Song, like Michael Johnson. Like, it's killers. It's straight killers. <laughs> oh, excuse me. 
So they're going to have him prepared for this fight. My thing is, if Patty cannot take Gordon down, Gordon's going to dog him. Dog him in striking. If I had to bet, I'd bet Patty. Because Patty's got the lingo. He's got the fucking swag. He is good. He's good. Fighting in the UFC Comedy event, he's fucking good. He's yep. got to take him down now. He cannot trade and slug. And Gordon's going to be the hardest matchup Patty's had in his 22 fights. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. 100%. You know, I was doing a little bit of research. I got to research Gordon and Patty. You know, Gordon's got a great story, dude. You know, he overcame addiction multiple times. Like, you can't hate the guy. He's just a fucking warrior. Um, and, you know, in his fights, man, he likes to sit in the pocket. He likes to pressure forward. And when he's on, he's shooting a lot of takedowns. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I know Patty, he did submit Levitt. Um, I think that this is actually going to be a good test. You know, Gordon's a BJJ brown belt. He's high level. Um, I think this is going to be actually a really good grappling match. I'm excited to see it. Uh, Patty has gotten subbed before. His only, the only time he got finished, you know, he lost two by decision in Cage Warriors, and he got subbed one time. Uh, so I think this is going to be actually like a really, really good test for him to see what level he's at. I do want to take Patty just because he's fucking hilarious, and I like his, I like his outlook on food and blowing up in between fights. It reminds me of post weigh-in for wrestling. I think it's going to be a dog fight. I don't think it's going to get a finish. I think it's going to be a three-round dog fight, and it's going to be a very fun fight to watch. Because both of these guys are down to bang. Like, they're not, like, they're they're both scrappers. Yeah, I agree. And that's probably why Dana likes Patty so much is he puts on shows. And so long as you're bringing Daddy Dana some uh, money at the end of the day, he's probably going to take care of you. Um, Regardless, that closes out, or almost closes out the main card. We have one more, and that is the main event of the evening. I would arguably say that this is outside of the one girls fight that – took over that main that main event for a fight night, I would say pay-per-view-wise, the shittiest main event of the year. Like, no one gives a fuck about this fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, the light heavyweight division is just kind of it, – it's just not like that respect. It's just mm. – I'm not going to say it's not respected, but the way I view it is it's just not as deep and as well-renowned. It's just full of John's other. kids. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, if John Jones could co- – John Jones could come back at any given point and just be like, I'm going to murder all of you. He would and run they- it. He would run light heavyweight now. Yeah, easily. Um, regardless, this is the light heavyweight championship bout. As we know, Yuri had vacated the title due to a shoulder injury. Um, he's probably sitting in some dark room um, in silence, not eating for seven days, um, committing seppuku over and over again. Who, who fucking knows? This dude's a psychopath. And surviving um, it. Yeah, just enduring, as he would say. Um, but regardless, it's Jan Blakowicz at 29-9, taking on Magomed and Kalev. Um, Look, my heart says Jan, but my mind says Ankalev. I fucking hate these Russians, dude. I am so sick of these goddamn Russians. Like, we, we need to do something about it. I don't know what we have to do. Like, here's the problem. When you look at our fighters, you know, we get the best facilities, and, like, you know, we're training good, and we're making sure we're, like, at our best condition. You go to Russia – there's hundreds of them and they're just in the fucking mountains where it's like 200 degrees and they're wrestling bears and shit. And they're like, Oh, the best one is the one who fucking survives. Like the rest get eaten by the pack. They're just like, they're just a bunch of cannibalistic wolves. They don't give a shit about each other. They're like, fuck it. And then what they do is they don't even fly you over. It's whoever can swim to America first. That's like, guess what? You get to fight for a title shot. That's what they did. Khabib didn't even get flown over. They literally found him like in the Pacific, like chasing orcas. And they were like, what the fuck are you? And that's what happened. So, regardless. Um, he was hunting the orcas. Yeah, he was hunting the orcas. So, 
Shout out fucking the Russians, man. They're scary. They're terrifying. Let's go over their last couple fights, though. Antlev's riding a nine-fight win streak, including a KO-TKO victory over Lionheart. Um, and Jan's last fight was a KO-TKO win versus Rakic. Look, Magomed's just a, I can't even say anything more. He's just a dog. Jan, I love him, but, I mean, uh, I just don't – I don't know what I can say that it would put you above Antlev. Yeah, you've been doing this for longer. You have the experience, but, you know, I feel like – I say the same shit every time when it comes to Russians. I'm like, oh, whoa. Because I said the same thing about, um, what's his face? Who just, took the, who just took the belt from? Islam? Who just took the belt from Charles? Islam. Oh, Islam. Islam, yeah. I said the same thing. I was like, oh, you know, he was he was fed dog shit. And now he's facing the fucking champ, man. Like, he doesn't have a chance. Dude, it, it's going to be the same shit, dude. And I, I'm going to be so sick of seeing it. So I want to know if you guys have anything else to add because I, I'm just depressed thinking about this. I really don't give a shit about this fight. It was supposed to be Yuri versus Glover too, which I really gave a fuck about because that was fight of the year, without a doubt, their first fight. Um, and I, I love Jan. Like I, I, I would call myself a Jan fan. Like I like Jan. I think he's 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 got a great persona and he's a great person. He's a good father. Like he's a good guy. He's fun to watch, but he has terrible ground game. Dog shit ground game. Mago Bed's gonna Mago Med him and take him down and butt fuck him for five rounds. That's what it is. If Glover Teixeira, who's not even a wrestler at 41 years old, could take you down and submit you, Mago Med's going to dog you. That's all I gotta say. That's literally, I don't give a fuck about this fight. I'm not even gonna watch it after the patty fight. Mago Med's gonna kill him. Kill him. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Look, you gotta give credit to Jan where credit's due. He's got insane power, right? He put Anderson to sleep one touch, right? Put Rockhold to sleep, one touch. Magomed, though, oh, I mean, dude, anyone that looks like Abe Lincoln, like all them Russians, bro, they all look like Abe Lincoln, and they're all absolutely terrifying. I will say, I mean, he's, you know, he got submitted. Granted, he was winning for 14 minutes and 59 seconds, but Paul Felder did submit him. Um, I don't. Paul Felder submitted Magomed? Are you sure about Paul, this? It was Paul somebody. Let me it see. Can't be Paul Felder is way too I was going to say, Paul Felder Paul would get Paul Craig. Paul Craig. Paul Craig's got dirty jujitsu though. Jan yeah. does not have dirty jujitsu. Yeah, Paul Craig caught him in a triangle. At Paul 14. Felder said, "Fuck it, I'm going up the light heavyweight." Paul <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, I the easiest guy to take down. Um, you know, I was listening to the bad guy Chael Sonnen talk about it, and he's taking Jan. Um, and I love, I love me a bad, bad guy. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with. I'm going to listen to Chael. I'm going to go Jan, too. I don't think he's the easiest to take down. He held you know, he held UFC gold before. I think he wants it again. And the dude's a gamer, man. Like, you know, like his whole time now, he's just been pacing to fight Glover again. Right? So I think that's all he's focused on. He just wants to fight Glover again. And I think he's going to put everything he has into this. I don't think it's going to be a pretty win. But I don't know. I, I want to see him knock him out. One thing I love about Jan, too, is he's only fought in murderers. He does not take easy fights. Dude has fought fucking hammers. He fought, yeah. what, Thiago Santos. Then he fought then – he, then, he the, then he won the belt over Dominic Reyes. Then he fought uh, Glover Teixeira and then Dominic – and then um, Alexander Rachik and now fucking Magomed. The top five in a row. He fought them in a row. So, I mean, dude's a murderer for sure. But I just think his rest – I think it's – I think it's gonna come down to good old Dagestani wrestling. Yeah, he does. He does get broken on the ground. I mean, you saw that in the Glover fight. Yeah, I mean, by the time he probably fights uh, Glover again, Glover will be a geriatric patient and fucking with grippy socks. So 
who knows? We'll see. Regardless, um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on from that, enough with the jokes. That closes out our fight card. Let's get into some MMA topics or some recent news that's been surging through the UFC community. First off, let's get with this. Um, Alberta Commission lifts ban on UFC gambling following action against James Krause. They lifted now, it, so it's not banned anymore? Yeah, they lifted it. Um, so the UFC did their proper due diligence. They did follow through with the report. Now, for everyone that's not familiar with Gracie, would you mind breaking down uh, this whole situation for us? And- yeah, so James Krause is a former MMA fighter. Absolute dog, by the way. He's taken fights on like 30 minutes notice. Like, absolute dog. Um, I didn't know too much about him, but then he was cornering, like, a fighter, and a guy on the card missed weight, so he couldn't fight. So he just weighed in and fought the guy. It went to a a split decision. Didn't do a camp or anything. He just trained so much, and they were like, yeah, I'll fight. Um, And in my opinion, he's one of the smartest minds in MMA. He's Brandon Moreno's coach. He coaches a lot of other guys. Wicked fucking smart. Watch his breakdowns. Watch how he perceives things. Super smart. But a couple fights ago... There was I don't know the guys I don't know them they're they're lower end UFC fighters but the spread went from minus two hundred to minus four ten an hour before the fight and the reason for it was James Krause's fighter had a leg injury that was kept closed and no one knows what happened but somehow somebody found out odds skyrocketed up James Krause's fighter lost so James Krause mind you has a podcast on fighting and he has a MMA sports betting podcast called The 1%, okay? I am a very big James Krause fan. I've taken a lot of information from him and implemented it into my own game and how I prepare and how I look at things. My my head coach, Vince McGinnis, very big James Krause fan. I've talked to him about it multiple times. And James Krause has publicly announced that he makes more money betting on MMA fights than he did getting paid by the UFC. He has announced this. He has stated this. So do I think he did it? I personally don't think he did. But people think James Krause bet on the other guy against his fighter and then leaked the information so the odds would get even greater so he'd win more money. That's what, that's what people are saying. I don't know enough into it, and I personally love James Krause, so I don't want to shit-talk him without knowing uh, 100%. But that's where this whole betting on UFC shit it started, started going crazy. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, now you know. Welcome to the know. Um, obviously not a good situation to be caught up in, um, but we hope it sorts itself out. Yeah, because as of right now, it. they banned James Krause from coaching fighters. If you fight under James Krause, you were getting your contract suspended by the UFC. Yes, so people are like, what the fuck is Brandon Moreno going to do? He fights for a title in a month. Yeah, by the way, that will be Brandon Moreno's fourth different coach his last four fights. So That's not a good – yeah, not a good position you want to be in, especially if you're contending for a title. Moving on from that, though, TJ Dillashaw retires, and Henry Cejudo calls him out saying the only reason he entered retirement is so he could avoid further testing in the USADA pool. As we all know, TJ Dillashaw has been dealing with a shoulder injury um, since his last fight to Aljamain Sterling in that title uh, that title fight. But I want to know what you guys think about it. Do you think fighters should still be tested um, for a brief period even after they retire, or do you think just because you hold the title of retired, um, you can kind of be abolished from all testing? So I'm not a TJ fan, but TJ is a bang Muay Thai fighter, and I'm also a bang Muay Thai fighter. I mean, his coach, Dwayne Ludwig, and my coach, Vince McGinnis, trained together for years. Um, I mean, I even do a bunch of similar things that he does in my camp because of Coach McGinnis. But I also think, you know, he cheated. He's a snake for that. I agree, like shit on him for that. But I don't think he retired because he didn't want to take tests anymore. I think he retired because he knows 
he has a year off till he can train again due to his shoulder. And by that time he'll be 35. And it's like, there's just, he's not going to touch a belt again. What, what is there left for him? Like he's beating all the top guys. He can't touch the belt and he has to wait a year, probably two years to fight again. We 35, 36. I think he just, I think he did the thing that we always shit on fighters for not doing and retired at the right time. That's what I think TJ did. I don't think it has to do with drug testing. I think TJ saw the light. He goes, I'm not going to fight for money. It's stupid. And I think he retired at the right time. That's what I personally think TJ did. Now, real quick, do you think if he returns in less than a year, though, that something is definitely fucking up? Yeah, but he announced before he retired, he announced that he was out for a year to his shoulder anyways, before retirement talks. Okay. He announced, I'm out for a year. I got to get shoulder surgery. Fair. Now, if I mean, he comes long- back quick, then he's definitely on shit, 100%. <laughs> how 100%. long messed up like that, though? Like, it's been a while, right? He did his whole camp when it dislocated. No, no, no. I, like, he injured it, like, I thought, like, years ago. Like, I thought, like, this has been, like, an ongoing thing. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. I don't follow TJ too much. I'm more of a – I was a Cody Garbrandt fan, so. Cody no love. And as Connor uh, said, he's a little snake in the grass. Uh, regardless, um, we'll get into two more topics before I got to head out. One of them is – let's get into uh, our choices. I'll kind of leave this between y'all two just because my uh, – Ground game isn't as deep or as experienced, but a fighter lands a rare Tariko Plata submission. Um, and you don't really hear that uh, floating around too much. So I wanted to ask y'all, what are your top five most unique or rare submissions? All right, well, number one's the twister, without a doubt. I mean, I think only two of them have ever been hit in the UFC, and one was by Three. the Korean Zombie. Yeah, Three. one was Bryce Mitchell, and I don't know the third two are, two are, two are Bryce Mitchell. I thought There's- Korean Zombie there's also oh, fuck what's it called i don't know the name of it but like when you have someone's back and they stand up and then you reach over them to get their knee and you do a straight knee bar i know i know um who's oh, Abe Lincoln. Did it. yeah what the fuck is his name uh zabit hit that i don't know the name of it that's dirty i want to say also there's only been one omo or gogo plata ever hit in mma so that's another good one um what else is there heel hooks I mean, heel hooks are just terrifying. Uh, yeah, I don't like heel hooks at all. How do y'all um, feel about the buggy choke? That's I'd love to see someone hit that in the UFC. I fight. don't think it ever happened in MMA because you could just start elbowing them in the face. But I yeah. have been hit with it in jiu-jitsu practice, and I called Zach right after. And it's I was like, still- bro, I feel like such a fucking bitch. I just got tapped in the buggy choke. But it's gross. But you have to have a certain body. Like, you can't teach it to everyone. Like, Dana, no offense, could never hit it. You have to be long as fuck to hit it. Like, 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was fair. Say, what are you saying, Dana? I was gonna say Twister's a great one. Um, I love. I don't know why, but like one of my favorite submissions is Mazidal got hit with a reverse triangle. Yeah, and he went to bed in Bellator. Dude, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. That was like the best submissions I've ever seen. So I mean, like five. I can't really think of, but like top two. Those are great. If we're gonna uh, think I, about talk about things that I've been hit in that I think are gross. Standing guillotines, nasty, <laughs> nasty. Obviously, yeah. I got hit in one. Um, my fault completely. But if you go watch John Jones hit it on Loyola Machida, it might be the coldest scene in fight history. He just yeah. drops a dead body and just looks at him. He just literally just yeah. drops his corpse. Yeah, and that Over wasn't a like former world champion. Yeah, 
no, I think that's the craziest thing is it was like there was a lot of hype going into the fight. Being like, oh, Loyola has a chance. You know, Loyola can do this thing. And then John Loyola won the he, first round. Loyola dogged him in the first round. Yeah, and then John was like, all right, let me show you what a true fighter looks like. And then killed him in front of all his fans. It was like, I've arrived. Dude, and I he was just, he literally just drops his body. He just, and John's just looking at him like, <laughs> sorry. Um, but let's get into our last topic of the day. And that is Ariel Hawani wins the MMA Journalist of the Year Award amidst his Dana and Patty war. As we all know, Ariel kind of brought up the receipts on these bitches. Um, because Dana kind of Dana and Patty both called Ariel out for those that don't know and was like, oh, he's a slimy little bastard. Like he's just bringing on fighters for clout, um, just so he can get clicks. Like he's yeah, but do you fighters. know the original beef between Dana and, and Ariel? No, please. So Ariel got please signed. Help. All right. So when when this whole UFC debacle got signed to ESPN, Ariel was signed as an ESPN MMA journalist, like not affiliated with the UFC, like MMA altogether. And Dana hates Ariel because there's numerous times in which Ariel is a leaked fight information that was supposed to be kept hidden until the UFC announced it. And Dana hates him for this to the point where when Ariel still worked for ESPN, Dana had him banned from UFC events. He could not go to media events. Now, my opinion on Ariel, I think he does a phenomenal job at covering the sport and growing the sport and helping people learn about it. I just think he's a huge fucking pussy. And I think when he shit talks fighters and he calls out like Brendan Schaub and he calls out all these other guys, it pisses me off as a fighter because he knows he's he's safe hidden behind the camera and hidden behind the image. In reality, though, they would fucking break him in half and eat him for lunch. And that's what pisses me off is that he's a nerdy little fucking Canadian hockey player that grew up, falls MMA, which I love, and I love that he does it. I think he does a phenomenal job, but I think he has his ego is a lot bigger than it should be because he knows he's safe and no one can actually beat the fuck out of him. Uh, I'm pretty sure he got wasn't like he leaked Brock like Brock Lesnar returning right. Yep, and, and he I think that was any leaked, leaked Nick Diaz returning. Yeah, like and the thing and is, I'm the UFC sure that... tells like there's a small pocket of journalists that they tell them like, look, this is what's going to happen. You can write an article on it, but you cannot announce it until we announce it. And they wow. say that, and yeah. he announced it, and that's why Dana's like, what the fuck? Because there's only like five or six people. So when the other five are like, it wasn't me. It's obviously fucking Ariel. Yeah. I agree. My personal um, favorite, I'm sorry, Zach, to interrupt you one more time. If I had to give my personal MMA, my favorite MMA journalist, I'm going with ESPN's Brett Akamoto. He's the one that does like the one-on-one interviews before fights, like he did one with Patty this week. He's my favorite. He's not very biased. I think Ariel has a huge bias on guys that go on to his show. Brett Akamoto is very unbiased. And Brett's more of like a fucking everyday kind of guy where like, Ari- like I would go grab a beer with Brett and like I'd hang out with him. Like he's a cool guy. He's a family man. Like fighters respect him. Ariel's a fucking nerd, you know, and I and I would never like grab a beer or hang out with Ariel. I would go on a show 100% if he invited me, I would a million percent. But I just think I think Ariel's good for the sport, but I think he gives it a bad image sometimes. I think Brett Akamoto is very neutral and I, I'm a big Brett Akamoto fan. Yeah. I was I was just going to say um what Ariel does for the sport is he is one of the best at stirring the pot. And you yeah. say how oh, it kind of hurt it hurts the image sometimes, but you kind of take that. Like you like it's kind of like a Colby Covington situation. Like, yeah, the guy's great for the sport in terms of like he he'll make you publicity. Like we see in the Wolf Wall Street, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But sometimes he says some shit where you're like, all right, bro, like, don't fucking do that. But at the same time, you'll take it because Ariel will Ariel will have fucking um, Paulo Costa on where he's grabbing Shmaev's hat, rubbing it on his balls, and just throwing it on the table. 
and they're laughing. He's like, oh, what's the secret juice? Like, it's like, it's just shits and kicks. Like, it's more, it's more catered to just like the college environment of just like, like hype us up. Like, we don't care. Like, any drama is good drama type of ordeal. And, you know, maybe, maybe down the line, you can find a perfect version of it, but this isn't a perfect world. You're going to take what you can get. And I think Ariel, as a journalist, great fucking job. As you said, he does a lot for the sport, but there's just sometimes where I wish he'd keep his fucking mouth shut. But I think he's got to that point where he realizes he's like, wait a minute, you're telling me these UFC fighters can't put their hands on me. Now I really have no filter. I feel like every journalist or every fighter should have one thing in their contract that allows them to beat the shit out of one journalist a year. Like they just get to write down like one journalist. But Bro, there, there's a highlight. There's a, there's a fucking highlight reel on YouTube of, of fighters wanting to fight Ariel. Like the Diaz brothers hate him. Rampage Jackson hated him. Like hated him. It, there's a, oh. there's a, there's like videos of fighters that are like trying his shit because they don't fuck with him. I mean, yeah, Darren Till, my favorite Ariel Hawani moment ever, ever is Darren Till when he was like actually awesome and Michael Bisping are on, are on Ariel Hawani. And Darren Till is like, Ariel, your schnoz looks huge. You put, you put that thing in your wife and then Darren leaves. Ends <laughs> <laughs> it. But see, yeah. like that was when Darren was like so hype and everyone fucking loved him, and he was like the meme Darren. But now Darren has to like accept the role of like I can't post on social media because like people just shit on me yeah, now. I agree. Um, I agree. type of role, and I have but, to ride comms on cock. Yes, I agree. But you know, I think that'll wrap up our UFC 282. As you can see, we are watching these soccer games, so people are losing their goddamn minds. Um, I got to get to a dinner, but it was great having y'all on, Daner. Thanks for joining us. Always good to have you. For us at Clocks on the Stove, hopefully we win you some money this weekend. If we do, shout us out on social media. We'll be sure to retweet that or post it to our stories. Um, regardless, any closing statements, boys? Let's go, Patty. Go, Patty. Salute.